There we go. All right, Father, thank you for allowing us to have this time together as intimate as it is right now. And Father God, we enjoy this uh, because we enjoy uh, everyone who's here. We know, Father God, that you have something in store for us today. So Lord, open up our hearts and open up our minds to receive what you have. And we're so thankful for the youth upstairs and what they did, Father God. We're thankful for the youth leadership in this church, Father God, that they can inspire youth as they've been inspiring youth, Father God to know, go, and grow. And Lord, we just continue, uh, we pray for the, the youth that you would continue to grow their passion. And may it run deep, may it not just be a surface passion, Father God, um, that has uh, that is just running along the surface, but may it really grow roots and really run deep to solidify them, Father God. Because as they move out from youth into adulthood, it can be, um, can be quite an adventure, to say the very least, and a test of one's faith and a test of uh, the development they, they've had. So, Father God, we pray for depth in them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I do have one thing. There's cookies over there. Yes. Um, in celebration of Anne's birthday. <laughs> and that was on Tuesday of last week. So, happy birthday. I'm glad to know that we're all getting older. Hey, hope you enjoy that. (laughs) Well, that and cookies. What? Nothing. You said it's a good thing we're all getting older. Yeah, it is a good thing we're all getting older. Why? Are you guys happy that you're getting older? Sure. Yeah, the alternative is not. Who's counting? Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I question that. But yeah. For the most part, yeah. You said who's counting? Yeah, I, I, I'm not counting anymore. No, I just, I mean, with the conversation that we had um, last week, you know, regarding Thanksgiving. Yeah, being thankful. You know, are we thankful that we're getting older? You know? I, no, I mean, I'm I'm right up there with you. It's kind of like, okay, it was, I went to a, com- a workshop Friday, <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to come up, you know, what do you call it when people get together in a car and drive somewhere? You know, I, I couldn't remember the word carpool. Okay, like legitimately, 10 minutes, I could not remember carpool. All right, it's like, okay. I'm thankful the Lord has still given me a mind. <laughs> I finally remembered it. I'm thankful I'm getting older because I have, I find myself to be a lot more relaxed than I was early in life. Because early in life, I mean, I'm, I'm working hard. I'm striving. I'm trying to build the consulting business and I'm doing a lot of training. We'll be doing a lot more traveling. But I, in all that, I'm still pretty relaxed. I'm pretty you know what, uh, if it doesn't get done today, there's always tomorrow to get it done. And if I'm not around tomorrow to get it done, then that's okay too, because then I'm with Jesus. I, I'm just a lot more relaxed in life as I get older. I look at my son, I look at my n- new son-in-law, I look at my daughter. They're just, they're pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing. It's kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, and I used to get on Gene for saying that to me, you know, whatever. But now I can understand, you know, whatever. And and I have a different You're framework. You're saying I got that. older faster. I, yeah, I just got older faster. So we've been talking about the four wills of God. 
And it's a concept brought out in a book by Emerson Egriches. And so far we've discussed two wills. His will that we believe in Christ. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him shall have eternal life. That's John 6.40. And the second will is his will that we give thanks in everything. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And that's 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And all these are on our podcast, Beyond the Wedding podcast, beyondthewedding.net, if you want to go online, just uh, look that up. But we decided at last night as we were doing this, as we were uh, putting the final touches at, on the outline yesterday, that we were going to pause, and I'm glad we did. I'm glad we paused today to review these two concepts because Pastor Apollo asked a very good question. Remember what was on the screen upstairs? Upstairs, If you were upstairs, what was on the screen? Okay, now I, I'm just going to uh, say a, a prayer, and then I want you guys to capture the first thought that comes into mind. Okay, so I'm going to pray for all of us. Father, I just ask that right now in Jesus' name, you clear the distractions because I know you want to speak to each one of us today. So clear the distractions from our mind. And as each one of us says these two words, I want you to fill in the blank with what you want them to see about themselves today. Whether it's a revelation you want them to bring, something that they didn't understand, something they didn't see before. Or maybe it's a lie that they're believing that you would like to extract from their life today. So I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. I am. And capture the first thing that came to your mind. I'm what? Servant. Servant. Anyone else want to share? Cared for. I like that. I'm sorry? A leader. Believer. Yeah, we've talked about that, and we're going to hammer some more of that home today. Anybody else want to share what they heard? About? Healthy. Huh? Healthy. Healthy. I like that. Okay. Anybody else? Learning. Learning. Blessed. Blessed. Father of Christ. Very cool. Home again. I like it. Very nice. I, I like it. Okay. Because we've been talking, the first couple of weeks, we talked about our identity. What are we? And I have a question. Sure. This is my question. My, the first word that came to my mind is love. Okay. Okay, when, when, when you said that. And the things that we shared were all positive. Healthy, believer, blessed, cared for, student. Learner, I think, not student, but learner. Um, how many of us can honestly say that we've had that revelation during the week? What are the IMs that we normally say during the week? During the week. When it's not Sunday. Or when we're not specifically asking the Lord to answer that thought. How many of us have had, how many went to, to first service? Okay, so a number, a number of people. Um, 
both pastors and the students um, in the poem and whatnot basically brought up the different I am's saying, you know, I'm not qualified enough. I'm too old. I'm too tired. It's too inconvenient. Um, I'm too young. I'm too uneducated. I'm too shy. I'm too, um, you know, whatever. Overwhelmed, um, overworked. Underpaid. Yeah. Um, you know, all of those above. Um, there's cookies. Um, <laughs> For your birthday. His birthday. His birthday's today. <gasps> Happy, Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. This is your birthday song. It's not very long. Hey. <laughs> we thought of just for your birthday. One, two, three. This is your birthday song. It's very long. I am. Um. How do we get our identity to line up? How do we recognize that that's it? Jesus described himself in two words, I am. Can we describe ourselves in those same two words? We fill in the blank. What are we filling them in? Um, I was talking with your wife this morning, actually. Um, I have. say I am? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't about you, actually. Uh, wow. Um, you just assumed, right? <laughs> no, but I know. it matters. Because I am curious. Both Kathy and I had very severe respiratory illnesses at the beginning of the year. And in talking with her, um, I've recognized this past week, because I'm fighting something, I've recognized that I am fearful of getting that sick again, you know? And in talking with with Kathy, the word traumatized came out. And we both realized that we've been traumatized by the injury that we had almost a year ago to our health. And I've kind of, like I said, I've noticed that I'm walking in fear. I don't want to be that sick again. So I'm trying to do everything I can at the first sign of, you know, I'm not feeling good. You know, so normally it's like, unless my leg is cut off and I'm bleeding, you know, tons, I go to work. I keep doing what I'm supposed to do. And I haven't done that this week. I've been really trying to take care of myself because I'm fearful. And my revelation, in part through that conversation this morning, was I'm trusting in my ability, and I'm calling myself fearful, and I'm not trusting the I am. Are we meant to walk in fear? You know, so here I am preaching this stuff, right? But what am I walking in? Now, do I have to take care of my health? Yes. But should I be taking care of my health because I'm afraid? Or should I be taking care of my health because it's the right thing to do, Correct. which is what we're going to talk about later, because God is the I am, and he's going to provide healing for me. Um, and that's and what we've talked about is our belief system. What is it we believe? And we talked about that for two weeks because our belief <coughs> is demonstrated by what we do and how we move forward based on that belief, more than it is just our words. 
I can say that I believe in Christ, but if I'm if I'm ne never doing anything for Christ, those two things don't line up. I can say I love my wife and I love spending time with my wife. And then every single day I'm finding an excuse to be out with the guys from work. But that really doesn't work because I work from home and I'm the guy at work. So, you know, but you know how, when is it when our words don't line up with our actions? Are we trying to convince somebody of something? Because that's what Jean accused me of and she was right. Because early on in our relationship, I'd say, I love you 10, 15 times a day. And then finally she said, who are you trying to convince, me or you? Because my actions didn't line up with that word or that phrase. Okay, Our belief in Jesus is measured by how much we truly believe what Scripture says. Because in John, it says in John 1.14, the word became human and made his home among us. In John 1.14, the word became human and made his home among us. So Jesus and the word, same thing. So if we can say we believe in Jesus, but yeah, you know, that part of scripture where it says, I have to forgive my enemies. Yeah, that doesn't really apply because you don't know how much I've been hurt by him. You don't know how much I've been hurt by him. Well, it was just unforgivable. Oh, yeah, we've heard that word. I mean, that's that's the, well, you know, they went out on me. They cheated on me. That's the thing for divorce. I don't need to forgive. I can break it off and... and... Yeah. It's, and some of the words we've heard from individuals who profess Christ as their Savior saying... Well, their actions clearly show that, you know, they say they're Christian, but they're clearly not acting that way. That's completely unforgivable. And that's coming out of a Christian's mouth. Well, what I get a big kick out of is the people that are sitting there saying, well, that person can't be a Christian. How can they do that when they act like that? And my first response is, okay, but you're claiming to be a Christian and you're doing nothing but judging someone else. So, you know. Um, I mean, we've we've given testimony um, of our own relationship, and I think one of the greatest blessings that I received from the pain of what happened in our relationship was the realization that regardless of how I measure sin and the consequences of sin, God sees them all the same. So whether I've told a lie at work and he's murdered someone. From God's perspective, that's the same. And he really truly gave me a heart to recognize that sin is sin. And for me to measure my sin against someone else's sin is like ignoring, it's really the epitome of pride. It's really the epitome of pride. You know, and what that looks like on a practical daily thing. Well, I'm the one around here that always cleans the dishes. I'm the one that has to vacuum. I'm the only one that dusts. I'm the only one that, and you never 
that's really a pride issue. Is it exhausting? Is it unfair? Is it tiring? Is it uh, aggravating? Fill yes. in the blank. Fill in the blank. But at the practical level, when we're looking at that stuff, we're judging. We're holding our stuff, our needs, our wants higher than someone else's. Yeah, yeah we're... Gina has something. Gina. Um, I was very deeply this weekend, and I was wondering if you could just read this. This is what God gave me this morning, and I think it's for October someone 28. else. Yeah. Gene. Do not expect to be treated fairly in this When someone mistreats you, try to view it as an opportunity to grow in grace. See how quickly you can forgive the one who has wounded you. Don't be concerned about setting the record straight. Instead of obsessing about other people's opinions of you, keep your focus on me. Ultimately, it's my view of you that counts. As you concentrate on relating to me, remember that I have clothed you in my righteousness and holiness. I see you attired in these radiant garments, which I bought for you with my blood. This also is not fair. It is a pure gift. When others treat you unfairly, remember that my ways with you are much better than fair. My ways are peace and love, which I have poured out into your heart by my spirit. It's a good word. It's a good word. It's remembering the I am. Who, who does God say you are? It hurts dramatically. I mean, it just cuts you to the quick when you're called names, when you're disrespected. And in the midst of that, how solid is our I am? I had an I am statement yesterday as Jean and I were on the couch. Jean was resting, and I was trying to encourage her to rest, and I was being Ron. So I said something that was completely ridiculous, completely off the wall. And she looked at me and she said, there are, and she was joking when she said this, but she said, you know, there are days I just can't stand you or something like that. I looked at her smile and I said, I am your refining fire. <laughs> <laughs> Let's step aside and we, it's important to keep things in perspective and, and it's, and we talked about that in Thanksgiving and we'll, we'll approach that. But when we have job struggles and stuff like that, can we look at the other person? Can we look at the other, other individual when we're having interpersonal struggles, when we're dealing with somebody on the freeway who just cut us off? Or, are, are, are we looking at them, can we see them as a refining fire? Because what God is trying to do, and we've shared this time and time and time again, Gene is my refining fire. Gene is a person that God is going to use to get the roughest edges off of me that I don't want touched because he knows that in this relationship, I'm not going to go anywhere. He won't use Dave to do it. He won't use Paul to do it. He won't use anybody else in this room to do that. You know why? Because I can easily just say, you know what? I've had enough. Of you. Really? I've had enough of you. And I can just walk away, but he knows I won't do that because of the covenant I've made with Gene. It's Did I, not as easy. It's not as easy. Did I walk away from that once? Yes, but we've we've re-entered into that covenant, and I'm not going anywhere. Sorry. 
You said yes five times. It's all on you now. <laughs> but the thing is, <laughs> you knew this. I'm not complaining. I didn't think you were. But he, but that's that's the truth of the matter. That's the truth of the matter. Is that we are each other's refining fire. So, and the purpose of that is to help build that identity of who we are in Christ. The word Jesus gave us some tremendous things, said some tremendous things about us and our identity, but yet we're held, uh, still held captive by so many lies in our life that come up during the course of the week. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a couple verses. It's Mark chapter 9, and beginning in uh, verse 22, there was a crowd of people that Jesus was approaching, and if, uh, there was a father who came up to Jesus and said, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Because his son was possessed by demons. And his son, the demons would throw his son into water, into fire, trying to kill this kid. Okay, so here's what the father said. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. And Jesus replied, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cries out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. So I want you to capture that. It, it, I checked it in there. It's the wrong. Yeah. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Was it the father didn't believe Jesus could heal? Is that why he said that? Let's think about this. Let's think about you're in a situation where you're a dad, you're dead, you know, your, your son's being tossed in a fire and water because of a demon. You know it's a demon. And you come up to Jesus and you say, if, if you can do this, and Jesus says, if, do you, do you think the father didn't really believe Jesus could heal him? I mean, Jesus has been walking around doing a bunch of healing. Jesus is a known entity at this time. Do you think the father didn't believe Jesus could heal him? Bingo. You just got down to my fourth bullet point. I had a bunch of other questions that you just jumped over like that Impala. Say it again. That's right. That's right. He believed Jesus. But he didn't believe Jesus for him. He didn't believe Jesus for his son. And I think that's where many have found ourselves. We have found ourselves in that same spot. It is a lot easier to pray for others than it is to pray for ourselves, pray for our spouses, pray for our kids. Because we see what's going on. It is a lot easier for us to believe for others than it is for us to believe for ourselves. That's what was going on there. The guy knew Jesus was a source of healing. That's why he brought his son. That's why he asked. He just didn't believe it for himself. That's why he said, help my unbelief. And I think that's where we're at so many times during the week. On Sunday in this room, maybe not. But Tuesday when your boss is really getting on you, 
Wednesday spouses and doing what they want what you want them to do. Yeah. Wednesday when the trash is overflowing. The laundry hasn't been done. Go ahead. There's another element to it that you can believe, but the question is, do you want him to fix it? Whatever the issue is. I believe God can fix this, but am I not asking because I just don't want him to? Like right now, I'm struggling with I won't say hate, but great disdain for someone. Yeah. Someone that I never had a relationship with that's out there. And but I've yet to really pray, Lord help me take away this because there's some part of me want to hold on to that animosity or bitterness towards this particular person. But I'm not gonna I haven't prayed about it. Just like in my marriage before, you know, people say, Why don't you pray and ask God? Well, I don't want him to fix it right now because I want it to be where it is, you know? So I think sometimes we don't ask God. It's not a rhetoric. We don't need to do it. I just don't want him to do it right now. Because you believe he can do it and you don't want him to do it. Well, I think you're you're absolutely right because... Not saying I'm, I'm right, right. No, no. I think that as humans, a lot of times, especially individuals with addictions, Okay. okay, a lot of times they really don't want to be in the addiction. Right. I don't want to take the drink, yeah. you know, but the pain of changing is not, is greater at that moment than the pain of staying in your behavior. You know, it's a lot easier. I get more satisfaction if I've got hate and venom toward that person, okay, that is wronging me than if I have to forgive them and still maybe be in the, that's not fair, it's not just, you know? So the pain of being in that angry spot hurts badly, you know, whatever that spot is, it might not be anger, but hurts badly, but it actually is gonna cause me more pain to potentially live in a different spot, so I kind of stay in this. Terry? I can think of what the sister said in my life, having animosity. I wanted revenge. And I'll just say it boldly, when you spoke about pride, Ron, that's the ultimate pride. I wanted revenge. I didn't want God to, you can fix it fine, but I want revenge at the same time. I want justice. Right. Fix it through your revenge. Hmm? Fix it through your revenge. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's why should I put myself out there? Why should I do this when they're still going to continue so I'm just going to stand up and and you know because I'm not going to put myself through that pain again of them doing whatever and and we're not talking about like physical abuse or or you know um, um, strong emotional abuse and the reason why I say strong emotional abuse there's a lot of times when we feel like we're in an emotionally abusive relationship where we're not necessarily in an emotionally abusive relationship. We're living with someone or whether it be our spouse or partner or family, whatever the case may be, where their words are not kind and encouraging, their words are hurtful, and at the same time, the I am's that we have make those words worse. Okay? I mean, because there's times in my life where I've certainly taken something that wasn't meant in an abusive manner 
and to beat myself up with it. So now I'm living, did you have something? No, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. It's where, you know, if anyone else looking outside of the relationship, it's like, yeah, it's not the best relationship. And again, this is not just between, you know, spouses. Um, it could be at work. It could be, you know, any place. Um, again, family relationships are a really good place where, where the words aren't encouraging um, and whatnot, but they're not necessarily abusive, but we're feeling abused by them because we don't have our I am's. Um, so I, I, it, and there's been times when we've spoken where it's like, well, I'm in an emotionally abused house. And it's like, okay, well, what's going on? Well, he's saying I'm lazy. She's saying I'm, you know, it's like, well, but that's not really emotionally abusive. It's not nice. Um, you know, emotionally abuse is, and I don't know why I'm going here, so give me a second. Emotional abuse would be when whoever you're with is is isolating you, is consistently demeaning, demoralizing, um, dehumanizing, dehumanizing. Um, that's emotional abuse. Not, you know, we get into an argument three times a week and they're calling me lazy and they're calling me, you know, stupid or, or, or that type of thing. It's not right. It's not fair. It's not pleasant. It's wrong, that behavior, um, but it's not necessarily emotional abuse. Is okay. that? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I lost my. No, that's trail. okay. No, that's okay. Because, and, and I appreciate what Jean said, because remember, it's. It's the I am's we were raised with. It's the I am's that are still stuck back there somewhere. That these little words, that these words, and they're not little words, that these words can hit at us and can flip that back up, kind of like ding. You know, it's what, what are those uh, toss across where you flick the bean bag, and if it hits right, it'll cause one of those things to spin. That's that's what some of those words are like. It's like a beanbag. It hits something in your brain, and it causes that to spin for a little bit. Normally, it's at rest, but it causes it to spin. And it may cause it to spin to a certain space where we may sit for a while. And so it's really important to explore those I am's. And that was a great message upstairs. Explore what those I am's are and compare them to what Scripture says. And start to embrace what Scripture says. And start to embrace the fullness of what Scripture says. Because we also try to bring clarity to the passage in John 17, where Jesus is praying in the garden to his Father. And he's using language as, May they be in us, and I am in them, and you are in me. We talked about being a Jesus follower, and while that language does have value, it still falls short of the mark of who we really are. Because... When there's a follower, there's a leader. We talked about, okay, Jesus is driving my car. I'm in the passenger seat. Or I may be in the trunk because I'm really resistant. But whatever, you know, we've, we've heard all this language. And at the same time, John 17 says, we are in him and he is in us. It's one entity. One. When the father looks at us, he sees Jesus. Jesus is in us. That's who we. That's who should be. When when I step forward, it's because Jesus wanted me to take take a step forward. Jesus is in us. 
Do I follow his teachings? Yes. But if I am strictly a follower, guess what I can do one day? I can choose to stop following. We can choose to not really want the change. Yeah. We can choose that. And I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with the language because there's not. There really isn't, because I understand the use of the word follower, and at the same time, like much of what we try and explain, it's so difficult sometimes to truly comprehend the immensity of Christ. We are limited by our own human language. So follower is sometimes the best we can come up with. And it's a great word, but it still falls short. When we're viewed by God... He sees our DNA. He sees our DNA. He sees what every cell in our body is capable of. What every brain cell can change and transfer. What every energy thing that gives us movement, okay? He sees all of that. Too often, when we call ourselves a Christ follower, I wish there was a mask here. We put a Jesus picture on our foot. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, God is love, be blessed. No, I really trust. I'm doing the right things, okay? Because we think if we've got that, you know, you, you ever see those depression commercials where they put the little smiley face on, okay? God the Father looks beyond even our thoughts. He looks at our DNA. He lives in our DNA. And do you know that DNA is replaced all the time? There is a restorative process that goes on in our DNA. And do you know that our DNA can be damaged as well? <clears throat> And I'm not talking just about like genetic, you know, birth defects or, or anything like that. I'm talking as we're living and breathing human mm -hmm. adults. Emotional trauma can damage our DNA. God looks at us from our DNA. Our DNA can also be repaired and healed. When we're talking about God in us, he's in our DNA. Are we allowing the fullness of what that DNA can do? I talk with my students, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. And I bring them out examples like Johnny Erickson Tata. All right, most, most people in here know what, she was in a, um, uh, she dove and broke her neck. She's a quadriplegic, okay? She's a quadriplegic that started an international ministry. She's a quadriplegic that draws much, much better than anyone that I've ever known um, holding a paintbrush in her mouth. Okay, she does incredible landscapes and stuff like that with her mouth. Nick Bujicek, uh, um, I always, all right, born, no arms, no legs. He just has a little paddle stub. All right, one of his biographies, he says, yeah, I was so bad I couldn't even commit suicide. You know, I needed help with that, okay? Like legitimately, every single day of this person's life, he had to be fed, he had to have his butt wiped, okay? Let's get down to, okay? 
But who is he? He's a man who, international speaker, he surfs, all right? He surfs, he skis, he has a child, all right? And a great sense of humor. A very good sense of humor, okay? Um, we look at all the I can'ts and I don't, and I, what can you do? We had, I, I remember somebody, I, I asked somebody to do something, and they responded, I'm just not very creative. I said, wow. Scripture says that you were made in God's image. He created the entire universe, and you say you're not create, creative? I think you can actually pull it off if you just change your mindset a little bit. We are all creative. We are made in God's image. And what does that image look like? I, I, I love Joni Erickson. When you just mentioned that, I, the image God gave me was, I spoke creation into existence and she uses her mouth to create things because she doesn't, she can't do it any other way. And I think that's a wonderful picture of that. And it helps us to understand when we know that Christ is in us and we're in Christ, it helps us to understand more fully what Peter meant when he said this, by his divine power, God has already given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And that's Second Peter 1, 3. And this know refers to the intimate relationship we, where we are as one with Christ and not two separate persons, as a follower and a leader may indicate. Again, it's the limitations of human language, but we are in Christ and he is in us. We are one with him. And when we believe that, when we truly embrace that, guess what ends up happening? The sin begins to fall off. We don't have to run away from it so much. Because the moment I, I was reading something for work, I was, I was doing a presentation. Don't look to your right. 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 How many times can you actually say that before you actually look to your right? You're going to look to your right. What's going on? Okay. Don't do this, 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 don't do this. How long before you actually do it? It happens. We cannot get positive results by focusing on doing negative things. It doesn't work. It's like the whole don't look down when you're high up. Yeah. Don't look down. Mm -hmm. oh, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you can't get positive results by pursuing negative things. You just can't. My great disdain for this person, I think it's really about not trusting God and believing that God is still in control, regardless of what this person do. But it's versus me wanting to say, but Lord, I don't trust you, Lord, and you're not working fast enough. It's easier just to be mad at this person. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I need to redirect my focus back to God. And yeah. say, I know you're in control, regardless of what the situations look like. You're still in control, and nothing escapes you. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I need to just, but it's just so much easier just to have this. But is it? We think it's easier. And it's my environment that's contributing to it. And, and, and that's the whole thing. And we, it's it's easier because one, we get a lot more encouragement to stay in that mindset. You know, oh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't deal with that. You know, oh, that person is so-and-so. Oh, that boss, that neighbor, that mother-in-law. 
Okay, I mean, yeah, think about it, right? We have to hate our mother-in-laws, right? <laughs> Speaking as a future mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Real but size I mean, guy. Whoa. <laughs> but I mean, that's what society says. So it's a lot easier. It's a lot. We can be easy, more easily justified. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, you know, Ron and Jean, they don't have that issue you know so why can't she be more like ron why can't she be more like gene well, and i could sit here and say okay ron why can't you be more like and pick a male in the class you know yeah because society says it's okay to do that but god says it's not right david <laughs> the other thing i think is that i think people forget or don't realize how much work the examples that you've cited, it all it takes effort on our part to say, okay, Lord, I'm actually going to trust you. I'm actually going to believe what you say. I'm actually going to. Um, and I think of uh, when Abraham had to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. It wasn't enough that he built the altar, dragged his son out in the middle of nowhere, you know, put everything together. It wasn't enough that he said, okay, Lord, here we are. Where's my you know, because you're not going to let me get up and kill my son. It wasn't enough. He had to put him up there, go through the whole process, get to the point of almost killing before the Lord said, oh, wait, wait, wait. I just wanted to make sure you were sincere or real. You know, in, in all of the things that we've talked about, it takes that willingness to do what's difficult. I have a question. Uh, um, just said, I think, um, picked up something really important. I think that believing takes sacrifice and knowing doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. point. Thank you. Very good point. Well, look at Isaac for a second. I really appreciate you bringing out Abraham and Isaac. How many times are we like Isaac? Think about it. What did Isaac go through? We, we're not told in Scripture. Okay. Isaac helped his dad carry the equipment, you know, the, the ropes and everything else like that to tie the sacrifice. Okay? I mean, do you think Isaac was like, Dad, why are you freaking out on me? I can't trust you anymore. What's going on? We don't think about that. I mean, for me, I believe that Isaac understood the circumstance and his trust in God was even greater than Abraham's. Culturally, there was a difference between father and son. Today, questioning your parents is a pretty common thing. In that culture, you can question your parents. You did what they said. That's very true. But to... so there was some of there was some reverence. There was some yeah. respect. There was okay, I, I, Dad. This makes no sense to me, but I know this is what you're supposed to. You're, you're doing what you believe you have to do. And that's my point exactly. Because if we are reverent with God, God is our Father. Okay? I'm not talking about Mommy and Daddy here on earth. I'm talking about Abba Daddy. If Abba Daddy is telling us to go and climb up the mountain and we don't see the sacrifice in sight and then we're roped down 
are we willing? Are we fighting? Are we saying, okay, Dad, we know that you're going to provide, even if it's going to be in the nick of time? Are we willing to do that? You know, we're not trusting the earthly man, like, like what she was saying. We're not trusting the earthly man. We're trusting in Abba Daddy. Yeah. And I, I remember, and then we're going to move on to Thanksgiving because it's a great segue. I remember being at a men's retreat one time, and God, um, I, most of you know me well enough to know that if I want to make something happen, I know how to get it to work and how to make it happen and how to formulate a plan and everything else. Ministry was no different for me early on, especially before we separated. Ministry was a very intellectual exercise for me. It really was. And so, and, and God had to do a lot of digging to get that out of my out of me. And I think the final, the final point was, he asked me, I, I had been preparing and I had been looking at something as a goal for Gene and I for a long, long, long time. And I still remember he pointed me to that passage, Abraham and Isaac. He said, I want you to take that dream and I want you to put it on the altar and I want you to sacrifice it. I knew the story. So I knew just before I sacrificed it, he was going to stop. He didn't. I actually had to plunge the knife into that dream. And then I asked God why. He said, because it was yours, it wasn't mine. He says, it was all yours, it wasn't mine. I wasn't even a part of that. And so that helped get me out of the intellectual exercise that so many of us find ourselves in when we're dealing with addictions, when we're dealing with all this stuff that betrays our identity in Christ. So. Addictions can be negative yeah. mindsets as well. Yeah. So. Um, Kathy and I both had a similar kind of thing. Mine is, the example is not this earth-shattering thing, but in 1995 or so I got into computers and very very shortly found out there's something called a laptop computer. I wanted one, right? Um, way more expensive than the big old desktop things that I was building myself, that kind of stuff. But years were going on. Paul wanted a laptop. Um, things would switch back and forth. Uh, I was with someone else, then I'm with Kathy for one thing. Um, a certain amount of logic in, it's a lot more money to spend to do basically the same thing. I didn't have, I, I would swing back and forth from not having some kind of a justification for the expense, right? Or maybe maybe there was a justification, but the funds just weren't there. And I was going really kind of back and forth. I have some money, but I don't really have it. You know, there, the money could be sp spent better somewhere else. Or, you know, just, and so just swinging back and forth and back and forth. Uh, it became kind of a thing between Kathy and I because I was always looking online and magazines or whatever. Like, ooh, look at how look what that laptop can do. Um, and I can remember so clearly driving home from work um, on Willow Pass, coming up to Linwood, and I was back in my Jones and thing. I want this right, and somehow the Lord got a hold of me, and I was like, okay, I get it. I release this. I, I give up. I am not going to go after this thing anymore. I don't need tension here. I don't 
leave tension here, I am done. I am really releasing this without anger, letdown, animosity. I'm just, I'm not going for that. Um, within a week or two, grandma passed away. My mom got an inheritance. She split that up between uh, my siblings and I. There was a need, uh, not a need, a justification that I could apply to having a laptop. All of a sudden, the money was there. And I talked to Kathy, and it's like, makes sense. Let's go do it. Uh, a laptop computer, is this life changing? Is this, no, but the lesson was there. Kathy's examples were, she wanted a child. And I mm -hmm. this is yours. Yeah. She wanted a child, infertility, surgery, so on and so forth. And she finally got to the point, okay, daddy, I am now okay being your daughter. I'm okay being wife to her husband. I'm okay with this. I'm releasing that. And a couple of weeks later, she was pregnant. Yeah. Um, it's after seven years. Yeah, because we're we're always putting that stuff before God. And I realized, you know, if I say I believe this stuff, this is what shows it. Mm -hmm. If I can really, do I believe it even if I? But oftentimes the process of letting go is the same as forgiving. Yes. You still will have the thoughts and the emotions right. and you have to choose at right. that moment, at that time, to continue to walk at, out. Yeah. And forgiving takes a lot of humility mm -hmm. because that means I have to say, okay, I'm not trusting God. I have to admit that. And I also have to admit I'm wrong. No matter what this person did to me, I have to ask God to forgive me for holding it against them and not forgiving them and allowing myself to join with that forgiveness and, and keep it in my life. It's hard when somebody has done horrible things to you. Mm -hmm. It's hard to admit that you're wrong and holding it against you know, one of the things, because it is a daily exercise, because it is work, and it, it's a daily, uh, the thing that helps us with that is the next will of God that we discussed. Give thanks in everything. Not for everything, but in everything. What's the difference? <laughs> what is the difference? Giving thanks in versus giving thanks for. There's a huge difference, and we confuse it all the time. Right. I didn't have to thank God for not giving me a child. Correct. I wasn't thankful for that, but I am thankful for him in my life. And, okay, Lord, you know it's best. It doesn't make sense to me, but I am thankful for what, that, you know, that I'm your daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I could be thankful I don't have a laptop and 
I'm not Jonah. That's <laughs> thankful in. Yeah. In a couple of weeks, I was thankful I had a laptop. <laughs> That's four. And it's okay to be thankful for the good things that God has given us. It really is. It really is. And I'm thankful for all the things that he's allowed us to do and share and everything else. I'm thankful for a career that allows us to actually do some travel together to places we might not otherwise go. I'm thankful for that. Am I thankful for the fact that I have to spend sometimes a lot of time on the road? Not always. But I'm thankful for the ability to provide for our family in a way that is good for our family and is a way to help other people too. You know, was I thankful for the fact that I was in a hotel room all alone when my granddaughter was born? No. But I can be thankful in that circumstance that God breathed life into her. So there's a real difference between thankful for and thankful in. And I like what you brought up, Paul, because sometimes we can badger ourselves and we don't even realize we're doing it want that laptop, I want that laptop, keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. How much unrest are you going through, especially when you know you can't afford it? I want that Lamborghini, I want that, I'm going to go to a car lot, I'm going to go to a Lamborghini. I don't even like going to car lots. I don't like dealing with the salespeople there. I just don't. I prefer to buy one online. Get that, relational care, right? I don't want to deal with somebody. What an oxymoron. But, you know, it's... I don't like thinking about those things. I have only limited emotional energy. Why would I want to spend it on things like that? So, You know, when we look at the I am's with regards to the thankfulness, there's a balance. I can't ignore the pain of the circumstance that I'm going through. And we're not asking anybody And we're to. not asking anyone. Okay. It's important, and it's important when someone in your life is struggling through something, that there's empathy there for that pain, yeah. even if you think it's ridiculous. Okay, how many times have we, you know, been with whoever, and it's like, come, you know, at work, um, two ladies went through divorce. You know, one, you could barely tell that she was going through a divorce, you know. The other one, every day, it was just a major breakdown. You know, so it's real easy, um, especially at a at a non-believing work facility, you know, to have people say, well, just suck it up like her. What's your problem? You know, you know, lots of people get divorced. It's not that, you know, um, you have to be able to empathize, not join in in their pain and enforce their pain or reinforce their pain. Uh, <laughs> But to recognize that they're struggling. And yeah, maybe this one didn't have to be as emotional. Maybe this one should have been more emotional. I mean, I'm just, you know, whatever, all right? Um, everyone will have different opinions on how much it should hurt what you're going through. All right? So being empathetic and still being loving and still being not enabling but encouraging it's not easy. It's not easy. But that's also why we have Jesus in us, because he was able to pull that off. And if we ask Jesus, how can we, how can we do that in this moment when Thanksgiving seems to be real low, when things seem to be running low? Be thankful in all things. 
And at the same time, one of the prayers I prayed over Paul one time at Cleansing Stream was, may you be able to identify with someone's pain and hurt. Identify with the pain and hurt, but do not become incapacitated by it. Oftentimes we become incapacitated by someone else's pain and hurt, where we are no more used to them than anybody else. It is important to be able to identify and, like Jean said, empathize with the pain, come alongside someone who is going through that, but not become drawn into that or incapacitated by that. There's a huge difference in that. Which is real easy when we're talking to a friend. Okay. But is it as easy when we're in the middle of a fight? No. Because <laughs> I don't care what you want because I'm too busy trying to get my point across. But I can be thankful that I have a person that cares enough to be in a fight with me. Just your refining fire, bit. All right, Father, thank you. Any questions, comments, or snide remarks? Terry, it's not which one of those is it? Well, actually, actually, actually again, somebody a few minutes ago gave me a couple of books to give out to anyone who wants to get a class by a stormy, 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 stormy Martin. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah. Power of the Praying Wife. Power of a praying wife. Uh, my marriage. It's, it's a good book, yeah. Okay, so All right. Father, thank you for this time we have together. And Lord, we give you thanks in all things, whatever we're dealing with. I'm going to pray for two things. That, it, that we understand what our identity is in you. Because every attack from the enemy is going to come against our identity in you. So, Lord, help us to be able to recognize those attacks. Help us to be recognized what is being attacked and help us to believe in your word that says we are in you. You are in us. We are one with you. And we are in that identity. And two, help us to be thankful in those things, in all things, so that we can come to you so that we understand who you are, that you are our protector, that you are our father and you are our good, good father. You're a good, good father. And I think that's a good way to end this prayer. You are a good, good father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you guys very Have much. Have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful week.